So I think this morning, just like the last few weeks, um, there's just knowing we're coming to this time with Jonathan, there's been just this phrase or this, this word, this concept that's been on my heart. Hey, calls mom. Hello. Yes, I just suddenly clicked. Your mom with you. Hello. How are you doing? Um, the, the, this, this phrase, this, this, um, this concept has been going round and round in my head of discipleship. Um, and funny enough that Monet picked up on Matthew 28 in his introduction this morning about the last words of Jesus to the disciples, the 12, or it was probably more than 12. But I think leading into this coming Wednesday with Jonathan, the concept of discipleship and making disciples needs to be something that we need to grasp and understand, not only so that we can be effective in making disciples over the next few weeks, because God willing, trusting Him, there will be salvations. Yes, Lord, hallelujah, do I get an amen in that back corner? Come on, trusting Jesus, we've been praying, can your faith be stirred? Jesus, we have got family members, we've got friends, we want to see get saved. We want to see them respond to the gospel message of Jesus. But it, yeah, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Somebody give me a hanky. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting gossiped. Yeah, <laughs> you take my jacket off. Here come the big guns. Fireful, come on. <laughs> But how many of you know that as much as having people respond to the gospel, that's wonderful, and we're desperate to see that, that the responsibility of making, making disciples afterwards lies on us. Making disciples, becoming a Christian, becoming a Christian, making disciples, that's a responsibility that we will be carrying over the next few weeks and months and years. If you're not carrying it already, you should be discipling, making disciples. Man, I look at that story of, of, of Jesus on the, on, on the mount. Uh, uh, gone blank. No, man, Mount Olives, where, where he ascended. Eh? It was Mount Olives, eh? That moment before he ascended, <laughs> Transfiguration was another mount. I don't know what mount that was. <laughs> Anybody? Anyone know where the mount is? <laughs> This rabbit hole here. We, there's so many rabbit holes here this morning. We've got to be careful. Okay. The stepping back kind of thing. All right. Let's try to get through a preach in half an hour and not, not get lost to the importance of what I want to share. That moment when Jesus had his last few words with his disciples, and we can read it. Judah, do you want to put it up there together? It's Matthew 28. Let's just look at that quickly because I think it's so key in, in this morning and just what God wants to do. And it says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority is it. And you know what? He gives us that authority as well. He entrusts that authority. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. In other words, there's something that needs to happen. It's a verb. It's like a, something needs to happen. Not just Go and make, it didn't say go and disciple, but go and make, make disciples. We've got to do something. We've got to, something's got to happen there. Baptizing them. Who hasn't been baptized yet and is wanting to get baptized? <laughs> Sorry, Leanne. I know you're wanting to get baptized. That's amazing. Is there anyone else that hasn't been baptized that wants to get baptized? Koto, awesome, Rue. Come on. Come on. There we go. There's another hand this side. Maddie, seriously. Awesome, dude. Come on, that's amazing. We need to baptize you guys at some point soon because it's part of the instruction. It's part of the, com the, the commission. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Teaching. And so discipleship is te teaching. Making disciples involves teaching. It involves instruction. And so, But it's so much more than that. And I've got so many, like I said, my, it's actually... It's been one of those weeks where Nix and I have had lots of conversations around this topic, actually the last two, three weeks, and looking at, at how, what does this look like? And I think maybe I firstly want to just address our language, because I think if we, if, if, we, if we shift our language a little bit, maybe it'll help us, because we obviously want it needing um, to, to get a grasp of this. So firstly, let's look at the definition of what it means, all right? So... 
Firstly, a, a disciple. So I might use disciple, discipleship interchangeably. So if I confuse you, stop me, and we'll have a moment to pause and just unpack that a little bit. So firstly, disciple, and I was informed this week from the Latin, dis, what, discapulus. Thank you, Quinton. There's many words, but it means a student, a learner, someone, interestingly enough, who spreads the teachings of his teacher. And discipleship is a transfer of information. This is Webster's um, definition. To imitate the one, make habit of, reproduce after. And so discipleship is all these things, and being a disciple is one who does all these things. And so the language that I want to change a little bit is often we throw out the question or we have the question thrown out at us is, who is discipling you? Have you heard that? Anyone heard that saying, have you asked that question? So you, anyone? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. What a bit of, like, that could have a bit of response here. So, so I, I felt I wanted to maybe change our language. So instead of saying, who is discipling me, to rather say this, who am I following? Who am I following? Because when I say, who is discipling me, it kind of puts the responsibility on the teacher, on the rabbi, on the one who is discipling. When I say, who am I following, puts the responsibility on me. And I think so often we put this expectation on our leaders and those over us in the Lord that it's their job to disciple me, which it is, but I think if we have the concept of the understanding that it's actually my responsibility to follow, and that's the premise of which I build with those who are discipling me, I think we'll get so much more out of the time together. I think so often there's this weight put on us as leaders to, like, I mean, I've got about 100 focus on, like, like, God has entrusted me, and I love it. It's a beautiful opportunity to pastor and to shepherd, and, and I take it seriously, and I'm, in, and I'm intentional in, in how I build with people. But if, 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 you are, if you position your heart of one where I want to follow, learn, grow, imitate, maybe it might just look a little bit differently. And so that's why I said as well, when, when we look, when we step back a bit, this Wednesday, we're going to be seeing and trusting in the Lord to see people respond to the gospel message, respond to the good news of Jesus, that He came to this earth to die for our sins. The good news is that I can spend eternity with Him if I choose to follow Him, if I choose to surrender my life to Him. And I realize that I think we're living in, in, a, in a world where eternity has been forgotten about. People don't think about eternity anymore. Do you, do you with, like, people are only thinking about now. I actually had a conversation with a youngster in the, uh, last week, and I said to him, do you ever think about what's going to happen to you when you die? And he says, no, I don't really think about it. And I think that's the deception of the age in a sense. And maybe one of the things is that Satan is keeping guys so focused on now that they're not thinking about eternity. But what is the point of getting saved? What is the point of coming to Jesus? What is the point of the cross? Was to be restored into relationship with the Heavenly Father and spend eternity with Him. This life is fleeting. It's just a... And we're not thinking about eternity. And so we're going to have these people responding to the gospel message. That is the gospel. Guys, we need to be, bear that in mind. And I think often we try, like we, we think of our tactics to talk to people and how to... Like, I think the biggest question that needs to be asked to people is, so when you die, where are you going? Yes, Jesus loves you, but when you die, where are you going? Do you know where you're going? Have you thought of it? Have you given it a moment's, have you given it a moment's thought that when you die, something's going to happen to your body or your soul, your spirit? What, your body's going to be in the ground there, but what is going, what is going to happen? Is, have you given it thought and then to unpack it in such a way? But I think in order for us to, to take it to the next level, is that thing of training people how to now live a life that is worthy of eternity. Because one day we will spend, and we often talk, you know, we don't, we don't want to be happy in this life so we can be holy in the next. We want to be holy in this life so we can be happy in the next. And that is what it means to, be, to become a Christian. To become a Christian is I learn how to 
think. I learn how to act. I learn how to talk. That is what it means to become a Christian. So responding on Wednesday night, I don't know, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that's becoming a Christian. That's a Christian in name. You know, it's like, but now I've got to become a Christian. You know, like a lot of these degrees and things, you study for years and then you become a lawyer. You study for years and then you become a vet. You study for years and then you become uh, whatever. But Christianity is a bit different. We, are, we receive grace, we receive salvation, and then we, we become something, something else. Um, I, some people can, super, I think there, 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 there are some cases where supernaturally guys are set free of things and are, are like, whether they're caught in addictions and that, I've seen it happen, I've heard. But for some guys, it's sometimes a bit of a journey of changing the mindset, changing the way they think, changing the way they act, changing maybe the, the circumstances around them, and, and that helps them walk into the more. And so becoming a Christian, becoming someone who looks like Jesus. Some, so so how, how does it happen? How, how does it happen? Well, I, I mean, I do believe it is a work of the Holy Spirit. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that causes us to suddenly realize, you know what? My life ain't so lacquer. There's, there's stuff not so good here. Maybe this, I'm, like, I'm caught in a lifestyle of sin, and I, I, don't believe, I don't believe you can just suddenly have that revelation. It's the Holy Spirit that brings that revelation. I've heard some of the stories of some of you guys where you were just, you were in that moment where you realized you couldn't carry on anymore. You couldn't carry on anymore with what you were up to. There's something and you suddenly realized you needed a savior. But then once you gave your life to Jesus and you surrendered to him, then you needed to make some changes. Your friendship circles needed to change. You made choices. You made, as that revelation came, then you, this, you, you, you made some choices. I mean, just spending a bit of time with Clyde and just spending and hearing of his journey, hearing Clayton's story, hearing many of your other stories. I'm just, these are fresh ones in the mind, if you don't mind me saying. Um, but just knowing that there was that, that, that sudden revelation, I need Jesus, I need a Savior, and I actually need to change things in my life. I can't hang around those people anymore because they're not good for me. And, and, and that's incredible that there was a revelation through the Holy Spirit. Hey, how many of you guys have experienced that? Hey, a lot of us actually have experienced that moment where, we, where suddenly there's this, like, the lights come on as if it's been, like, no one's been home for years. And suddenly I'm going, man, you know, I'm constantly doing this thing. And actually it's because I'm surrounding myself with the wrong people. And, they, and, and, and so what is the triggers? You, you identify the triggers. And so there's this moment where you go, man, something needs to change. So it is the Holy Spirit the wonderful, beautiful Holy Spirit. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm sure you, you remember that Jesus, he needed to ascend into heaven in order for the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus in the flesh couldn't be at, everywhere all at the same time. But Jesus as the Holy Spirit could, could be. He could be everywhere at the same time. And that is why he needed to ascend as well, to complete what the Father had done. And, and so in sending the helper, I mean, that's what the Holy Spirit is, the helper, the comforter, our, our teacher, the Holy Spirit. And, and so on, on recognizing and responding to Jesus, on, res, on response to the fact that I need a Savior, we need to respond to the fact that I need a teacher, I need someone to help me. And that is what Jesus does through the power of his Holy Spirit. He teaches us. He leads us. He guides us. We need his Holy Spirit. And if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to pray for you that you would be and that you'd receive an infilling and there'd be an activation of the Holy Spirit in your life, a baptism. The Bible speaks about a baptism. And so that you would, you would be discipled. You would, you would grow you would follow Jesus, follow the Holy Spirit, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. The, the, the word talks about keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Does that, that basically means he takes a step, I take a step. He takes a step, I take a step. He takes a step, I take a step. That is following the Holy Spirit, the teacher. He's leading us. He's speaking. He's guiding us. We need him. <laughs> I, I, 
I'm sure many of us have got countless stories where we've had those revelationary moments where no one's necessarily been around and there's come this revelation and I've gone, man, wow. And I've changed and I've actually then been able to see what I need to make changes in my life. And, and then there might be some practical things that I need to put in place as well. And maybe it's a conversation with a few people and, and then putting accountability partners in place. Now, there is a difference between accountability and discipleship. Okay, don't get the two confused. We are discipled, and one of the tools is accountability. All right, accountability is a tool in helping us grow and become more like Jesus. So that's revelation, and it's through choice. And then, obviously, through the relationship with God, and I love what Justin said, it's the spaces in between, that intimacy with the Father. It's, it's all tied in there, that the way we grow, the way we we learn is through an intimacy with the Father. I think, you know, as my wife and I are, are close, there's a closeness. And the closer we get, the more we learn about each other. Over 21 years of marriage, we have, uh, like I often she's my closest friend. She's the one that knows me better than anyone else. She's the one that actually has moments where she will point out my faults. And I respond to it, not because, like, in, a, in, a, in, in the incorrect way. I respond because I'm, there's, there's a posture of my heart. And and, and, and that actually does lead me to my next point, in a sense. In order for me to follow well, I do have to posture my heart well. And that posturing is taking the place of humility. I need to humble myself. That is key. In order for me to follow well, I need to posture my heart in a place of humility. So, so the, like I said, in the 20-odd years of marriage, there's been moments where Nikki has taught me something. And I respond to her because my heart is to grow, is to love her better. And so I hear her and I posture my heart and I receive what she has to say. I don't take the stance of, I'm the man who you woman to tell me what to do, as some of us do do. I posture myself because I have, you know, I'm the head of the home. Who you to tell me? No. I posture my heart in that moment to receive what she has to share with me. And so, and in the same way that, that it's the same with the Father, the Heavenly Father. As when He speaks, we need to posture our hearts in, in this place of humility. A quick one. Quick sniff and it's gone. Humility, posturing our hearts. So... And then, and then I think one of the most important things is, is, is spending time with the priesthood, spending time with one another. So we've got three, three ways of how we are discipled. Firstly, by the Holy Spirit, that relationship with Jesus, the posturing of the heart, and spending time in His Word. Sorry, did I say three? number of ways, but <laughs> I'm just mention a few of them. But I think the, one of the key aspects of what is spending time with one another Spending time with one another. And, some, and you know that the Holy Spirit uses those around us. So it's, it's the Holy Spirit working, but He works through the people we're in community with. We, I, I mean, we've, we've shared it often and regularly that we can't do this thing alone. Yes, we need a relationship with Jesus and we need that intimacy. We need it, but we need each other. We need, we need to follow. We need to imitate other people's lives, actually, those that have gone before us. And it's, so we think about uh, someone who comes to faith on, or comes to a place of responding to the gospel on Wednesday night. They don't know how to pray. They, they, they probably never prayed in their lives. So how are they going to learn to pray? It's not going to automatically happen. They're not going to know how to read their Bible. It's not, it's not automatically going to happen. They, they, they need people to show them the way. And that's where you and I step in. That's where you and I step in. It's not up to just the elders or just the deacons or just the community leaders. It's up to each and every one of us. I mean, that's when Jesus gave that instruction in Matthew 28, he wasn't just talking to the, um, the, the, the elders. I mean, we, there, there was a crowd. I'm sure there was more than just the 12 disciples there. It's up to all of us to respond that we have this incredible privilege and position of showing and teaching others what it means to pray, what it means to, to read the Bible, how to read the Bible, how to pray. I mean, if you, 
at the moment I said, yeah, well, I don't even know how to pray really. Well, then you need to come and talk to us. Come and talk. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to read the Bible. That's, those, those are those moments we, where we have this revelation. We go, actually, you know what? I need to follow. I need to be taught. I need to learn something. And so, so we need to spend time with one another. Uh, that's part of why we encourage community. Why we encourage coming to church on a Sunday, actually. It's not just to tick the box and be there. So that Because these moments are teaching moments, are learning moments. These are moments where we grow, where we suddenly receive, oh, there's, there's revelation, there's moment. And, and I'm like, oh, yes, I get it. And we, 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 we suddenly go, man, I haven't been doing it that way before. Now I need to be doing it this way. And so we, I mean, I've had plenty of moments sitting on Sunday in church in a meeting where I've been discipled, and I've, I've suddenly learned something that I've been able to go, man, I'm doing it differently. And, and if I, I've had a number of conversations with, with folk around that guys are hungry to be discipled. Hey, people are desperate to grow. They're desperate to learn, so much so that they'll look anywhere and everywhere because there's a sense, I think, when you come to, into this relationship with Jesus, something something awakens in your spirit, and you know that this thing needs to, to be fed. And so, so we start looking. And sometimes we look in the wrong places. Sometimes we start looking here, there, and everywhere. And I think that's even why, just coming back to what we asked as a congregation a few months back, or probably about two months back, where we said, can we for the next season, not forever, just for the next season, just close down all the outside voices? Because there are many gods out there, as we see in Corinthians. He says, there are many gods, but few fathers. And so can the fathers be the louder voice? Not just all the gods. Gods are in it for what they can get out of it. They don't take responsibility. They don't, they, they don't stand account for the information they give. But fathers do. Fathers do. And so we need to follow fathers. We need to be careful who we follow. We can't just be following some random guy out there or allowing some, some great speaker. No, he's discipling you because all he's doing is teaching you. Discipling you is modeling. And we see, we, we see Paul, uh, he says, um, he says in, oh, I, just forgot, I lost the scripture, sorry. Yes, I've got a lot of scriptures here. I just kind of think where it was. He says, Brothers, join in imitating me. He says, imitating me. That's Philippians. He says, join in imitating me. Follow me. There's another scripture. I've just gone blank where it is. I had it this morning. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Where's that one again? Ah, I did have it. If, oh, yeah. Follow me as, yeah, follow me as I follow Christ. Eh? It is. One, 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 one. It's the first and the most important. You can't get any higher than that one. Eh? Be an imitator. What does it mean to imitate someone? Does it mean just to listen to their teachings? No. Does it mean just to sit and hear what great stuff they have? Because I must be honest, there's a lot of great stuff out there. But the problem with that is it's just information. Making disciples, that instruction of making disciples required them imitating someone's life. And so... So you can sit and get all the information, but the best way to follow is to watch someone and see how they live their lives. Not just see what they say, but how do they live their lives. And so even these guys coming along and trusting to conversion on, on, on Wednesday, they need to watch our lives. We need to get them into our lives, into our families, into our homes, so they can watch how we live. They can watch how you are with your wife and your children. Because you, in that moment, you should be reflecting Jesus, the way you speak to your wife, how you speak to your children, how you speak to your dogs. I actually joked last night, we had supper with, with Clayton and the family, and I, um, I think it was, Valen looked at me and said, yes, your dogs are obedient. I said, dude, I can't lead a church if my dogs don't listen to me. <laughs> I said, yo, what would Oaks think of me if I couldn't get my dogs to listen? <laughs> Okay, there is one rogue dog there every now and again. <laughs> He's rebellious. He's a child. That I have to <laughs> take the. <laughs> but you understand the heart of it is that, is that, you know, we, we get into each other's lives. You can't just hear what I'm saying, and I think we need to be careful that. And and I and I know for some of us we struggle with this thing, man, because we don't think we get enough teaching at that church, or we don't get enough preaching, or there's not a. It's, 
but so we'll, we'll go into the internet, we'll go and find the latest, hottest, best, greatest preacher kind of thing that's out there. And that's all very well. But remember, those people are not fathers in this house who will be responsible for you, who will take an account, who will raise you, who will come alongside you and cry with you and will, and will have those moments of truth with you. So be, be very careful. And Paul, I mean, uh, maybe, can I find, you, you, you believe that scripture? I, I didn't actually have it in my notes, but I've actually got to look for it. It's in Corinthians. Give me a second. Two Corinthians four fifteen. I just want to read this because I, I I think it's such a <laughs> for even for even if you had tens of thousand others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. The e, the ESV is better version for me. It says, "For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not." have many fathers, but I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That for me is like, there, there's a discipling moment there. There's a moment where I'm going, who am I going to follow? I'm going to, like, I'm going to follow the father as opposed to all the guards that are out there, because there are lots of guards, and they might get you from A to B, which is all very well, but do they care what happens between A and B? Getting from A to B is great, and say, so, great, I've arrived, but how did you get there is important. What, what was the process of getting there? I think so often we're so, we so focused on the end and the, and the goal where we actually forget there's a process to get there. My, and often guys are often saying that about me and when I run and when I hike, whatever. They're like, you're just focused on getting to the end. Like, you're forgetting about the flowers and everything else around you and the journey. And I'm like, it's a journey. And so fathers, fathers amongst us to there. And so we need to be following fathers. We need to be following men whose lives we can imitate, imitate little images of them. And why, why? Why do we need to imitate their lives? And so it is important that you follow the right people. It is very important that you make sure you follow the right people, those that, whose lives line up with the Word of God. Be careful who you follow. Be careful who you allow to disciple you. There's, there's so many, I've, I've got to be careful because there's so many rabbit holes for this kind of message. There's so many angles we could go down and things we could, and actually many conversations that could be had now. And so even like, I'm, you know, just thinking of what now just preached about the, the green dots and just the, the green and the blue and all the dots kind of thing of that, of having people in your lives and having family and being part of a family because the people around you that love you. And I mean, that's really what it does need to be grounded in, is love. Having people follow us and, 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 and teaching and that needs to, and discipling and being disciples needs to be grounded in love. I mean, it's that, it's, it's the, the John 13. Let's, let's look at that. That's a great scripture to ground this one, this point. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You're also to love one another. And it's by this that people will know that you are my disciples. It's an indicator of someone who's been discipled, one who's following, and one who's teaching, is that there's a love. Because in order to be someone that's discipling, you need to be someone that has been discipled yourself. You need to be someone that's under, and it's, it comes down to that whole thing of submission to authority. You can't command authority if you're not under authority. We know the story with Jesus where the centurion comes to him and asks him to pray for his servant, and he says, don't worry, Jesus, you don't need to come into my house. I am also a man of authority, and Jesus looks at this guy. He says, you don't even need to come into my house. I know what it means that you say go, and they go. I say this, and it happens, and Jesus looks at him and says, man, this, this is a guy of faith. This is a man of faith here. Yeah, he knows. And, and there's that picture of what it means, that when we are under authority, we can command authority. And so, and so I think often guys come in and think that they assume a position of fathership or assume this position, but they, they themselves are not submitted. 
are not under authority and are not allowing themselves to be taught. And so we're going to be leading others and making people uh, well, become Christians. <laughs> we're going to be discipling guys. But are you one yourself who's been discipled? Monet's discipling me. And I, that's, it's actually great that he is here because... And, and I even think, like, so, like, even in that, and like, I mean, he's discipling me, and, and there's, there's, a, there's a role that I have. I'm discipling others, and those that I'm discipling are discipling others. But I'm under authority. He, and not only is Monet discipling me, I've been discipled by many other men as well. But the, different, the, the thing is that I've realized in that, specifically over the last while, is that I've given my heart to this man. And someone, I mean, that was one of the things that came up. Who's, who, who have we given our hearts to? I've given my heart to this man, and he might say things to me sometimes that are, are a little bit tough and a little bit hard and a little bit challenging, but I've given my heart to him because I've watched his life. I've watched the way he's lived his life and how he has just led in the Lord, and I'm going, he's a man who's trustworthy, he's reliable, but he, and, and he's a friend as well. I mean, there's, a friendship has formed out of it over the years, but I've given my heart to him. So how do those discipleship moments work? Look, for some of us, I mean, you know, some guys think, man, I've got to be spending every moment of the day with that person. I've got to be in their home 24-7. I've got to be having coffee with them every week so that I can grow. Like, how can I follow? How, how can I grow in this walk with Jesus? And, and that's going to be the question. How do I bring these guys along the journey with me? Well, I don't think there is a set formula. I think we've, we've got to look at what are, the, what are the big blocks in our life. Well, church firstly is a big block. Church and community. Those are discipleship moments. I mean, right now, it's, this is a discipleship moment. You're learning something. Not, maybe some of you are going, I don't, I don't really I just agree with necessarily everything you're saying, but that's okay. We don't have to necessarily agree. But this is a discipleship moment on a Sunday. That's why we encourage gathering together. Discipling happens in these moments together. We, we connect. We, we love. We, we meet new people. We, 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 we open our homes we invite people. So this is where discipling happens, here in, in our meetings, and our getting, getting togethers, having coffees with one another, have, spending time. I just, I don't have a lot of coffees with Monet because he's busy. But I must be honest, the times when we do have a chat or a phone call or anything, I'm asking him all the right questions. <laughs> I'm making sure. And, it, and sometimes I, I just phone him to shoot the breeze and just to see how he's doing. And so I'm, I'm also in the process of letting him disciple me. I'm trying to build relationship with him and just friendship with him. But I'm allowing him to speak into my, and, and so I say it might be once every two weeks we have a phone call together. Maybe we try and do it every week if that. But it's not like I'm every day in his home. I don't, we don't have the luxury of that. I'm married and family running things here. He's got, so we can't do that. But I definitely, when, whenever I do give my, whenever I do get his ear, I, I'm, I'm, learning. I'm hungry to grow kind of thing. And, and the same goes with actually any, anyone else for that matter, whether it be Andrew or Russell, any of the other guys in the, in, across Josh Jen's leadership. These are men that I, I can't necessarily be seeing them all the time, but the, the little moments I get, I'm like, I need to be encouraged. You know, being encouraged, when I am encouraged, that's also it's a discipling moment. So, so often we think discipling should be one of always correction, rebuke, and, but it's also of encouragement. When I'm encouraged, and so like, I, I know guys, like you've got, to, you've got to show me where I'm going wrong. And you're like, they, I've got to point out these things to them. And I'm like, but actually, can I just come and love you? And can I just encourage you and saying, you're doing well. You're doing well. It doesn't always have to be a corrective moment. It doesn't always have to be a, a Bible study moment kind of thing. You know, often we think, we think discipling means that I've got to sit and do a Bible study together. That's not only that. I mean, there are moments when I sit down with guys, we have conversations, and then suddenly a scripture jumps to mind. Have you heard of this? And have you heard about this scripture? I was reading this scripture this morning, this would go, and God spoke this into my heart, and we shared, and we go, oh my hat, we just had a discipling moment. So there's many different ways. I think we, we, we need to be asking those questions. How am I being discipled? What, what do I... How am I growing? How am I becoming more Christ-like? If we're not having those moments, there's a problem. We need, we need to look for those moments. And it's, it, we, we definitely do need those moments where we spend time with one another, where we grow, where we learn, and we allow 
the Word of God, because that, that, that thing us of, of allowing the, the Word of God to be rich to us and to, to change us in our thinking, because it's, it's how do we change our thinking, how do we change how we do things, is by allowing the Word of God to renew our minds. And so by spending time, I started a little bit earlier about going, that revelation comes by reading the Word, Spending time with Jesus at his feet, reading. I mean, there's that other scripture I had it. If you abide in my word, John 8, 31, it says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. How's that one for a scripture? Abiding in his word. And what does the word abide mean? Does anyone have an idea? Stay, remain, constantly remain there. Don't leave. (laughs) So, some of us use the Bible as a bit of a, I know, it's like one of those, you used to get those little boxes, those little red boxes where you shake it, you open it up, and there's one card, the corner of the one card is out at an angle. Memory verses. How many of you remember the memory verses? I remember my mom had that box, and pray, Lord Jesus, give me a scripture for today. Shake the box, open it, and that one. That one was out of was out of place, and we take that one and we read the scripture for the day. That's not that is not abiding in the word. I'm sorry. Was it just my mom that? But back long ago, she doesn't do that anymore. Okay, she doesn't do that anymore. But I remember that so clearly. Funny that that memory just hit home. Abiding in the word means spending time reading and feasting. On the living, written word of God. This thing, I, I love my son. He said, he said to me the other day, he says, Dad, I've developed such a love for the word of God. I can't get enough of it. I'm devouring. Like he's like, and in the mornings, every morning, even when he was on holiday, I was like, yes, this boy is showing me up a little bit here kind of thing. He was up before me. He was sitting reading the word. I was like, what's going on? No, Dad, I've got to do that. I've got to spend time in the word. I love the Word. And so do you love and devour the Word? That is a sign of being a disciple. Someone that first and foremost eats the Word, spends time in the Word of God, enjoying it, reading it, because this is life. This is life. How many of us can testify that when we've, we've, we've opened up this thing on a regular basis, how it has encouraged us? Hey, that it's brought a life. It's brought us even, even like answers to maybe some questions we've had. Kind of thing. like, And so if we abide, if we stay, remain, don't leave, be consistently plugged into the Word, that's an indicator that we're a disciple. It shows that we love Jesus. It shows that we want to obey His Word and that we want to serve Him. In, and that's another way that we show that we are disciples. In John 12, 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. So what does it mean to so being a follower means someone who also serves, being a disciple. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So being a disciple is one who serves, one who a follower is one who serves. Oh, that's weird. Uh, you know why I didn't have one Corinthians? Because I had copy-pasted and I did re- recopied the same scripture twice. <laughs> so that's why I was, got a bit lost there earlier. I think having men and women that we can imitate their lives, follow, spend time with, and it doesn't mean we now have to like become their bosom buddy. Because I think sometimes we think, now I have to spend time with Chad all the time in order for me to become like Jesus. Can I tell you, I'm not the full, the full, the full truth. I'm only part of it. I only have some, some aspects. That's why like, we have a team of elders. We're a plurality of elders. We, we each have a different aspect. We each have a different gifting, a different strength, a different weakness. And so I always encourage guys, make sure that you're spending time with more than just one leader, at least, or one person. Because we do have leaders. We do have guys around us. I mean, I, I will go to Philip because Philip has giftings that Monet doesn't. And he will give me advice and perspective and things that Monet could. But I don't want to hear what Monet has to say. No. <laughs> you know, don't just go to where you want to go because you want to hear what you want said. You know, that kind of thing. Sometimes hearing the, the, the hard stuff is important. And so I have, I have a number of men in my life that, that I will get perspective from. Eh? What? Yeah. 
men who we can imitate, men whose lives we can follow, people that will help us into the more of Jesus. Is this making sense? I think I feel like, like I feel like I'm kind of laboring a point here, but I, like I really believe we we have this incredible opportunity coming up on Wednesday to see people come to know Jesus, to see people come to Him, and so the job doesn't stop there. The 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 it, it doesn't it doesn't stop there. We we're gonna we're gonna be encouraging these guys to spend time with us. We might have to build friendships with people that we wouldn't normally build friendships with. But that's what, that's what it means. You know, we, we don't have to have everything in common. We don't all have to be mountain bikers so that we can hang out. We don't all have to be runners. We don't have to, all have to be surfers in order for us to hang out. You know what? All we have to do is have this revelation that Jesus Christ died for us, that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and that without Him, we both are going to go to hell, actually. If we both have that, and, and that is the thing that is the common bond, the common thread of pulling us together in relationship. And so, so even this morning when I look around this room, I mean, there's electrical engineers, there's accountants, there's, there's project managers, there's pharmacists, there's scholars, there's interior designers, there's moms, there's dads. We all are so different, so vast. But by us choosing to spend time with each other and growing, and pulling these folk into our circles, into our lives, into our spheres, and showing them how we live our lives, how we spend time with Jesus, how we pray, how we read the Bible, how we change our lifestyle. Like, um, I've often met guys where they say, man, I've been, in, been doing this and this and this for so many years, but I've got all these, these friends that pull me down. Like, I know that the moment I hang out with them, that I'm actually going to be doing the wrong stuff. And so many of us might need to even change our friendship circles. And that is the wonderful thing about church families. God does give you a new friendship circle. He gives you a new friendship circle, a new family. I think um, Tandy's testimony of what happened this last week is like she's got friends there because she's part of this body. Would she have met those in the school context? Well, maybe, but I mean, maybe not. But she definitely has found them in this context of where there's a family. And so who's supporting her the most? It's her church family. Who's, who's at the rugby games? I've watched Ari's played a few rugby games. Where is he? He's with kids, I think. But I've watched also when Ari's playing, like who the guy's supporting? It's not only his mom and dad, but it's his youth buddies. It's the, it's the family that God's put him into. And, it's, and in those moments, that's where we grow and learn. And, and I've even watched with these youngsters. And I love you young guys. I mean, I've watched you, many of you guys grow and, and just even change. And even specifically with my own son, I've watched how there's, there's been such growth in you guys as you've spent time with each other, as you've loved on Jesus. And even there's, you know, it doesn't always take an, a leader to correct behavior patterns in your life. Like some of the guys, like were, I remember a little while back, there was some inappropriate banter at one stage going on one of the WhatsApp groups. And it just took one of the other friends to say, hey, guys, this is not appropriate. This is not actually glorifying to Jesus. It was actually quite below the belt banter. And it just took one of the other youngsters on that group to step in and go, uh-uh, this isn't lacquer. And there was suddenly a moment of holiness. We're wrong. Actually, what are we doing? We're going down a line here. We've, we've overstepped the boundary. And there was a moment where it didn't take a leader to correct that behavior, but it just took another follow of Jesus to go, you know what, guys? And so as much as we need leaders, we need each other. We need each other. There's that, 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 that doesn't just have to be a leader. It can be someone that loves Jesus passionately, someone that is just on fire for Jesus going, hey, you know, like, you know, we were having a bra the other night and, I just noticed the way you, you like really just um, broke your wife down in front of us kind of thing, or you just humiliated her in front of us. Do you realize you've been doing that? And they're suddenly going, oh, my hat, I didn't see that. That's a discipleship moment because we suddenly made into the likeness of Jesus because the behavior changes. So, so lots of things. So I hope this come, has come across okay. Because it's like been something that's been going on in my mind just for weeks now of going, what does this look like? What is, it, what is, it, what is required of us? What is expected of us? How are we going to get this right? How are we going to become more like Jesus as a people? I don't think there's, there's not an exact science. 
But it's got to start centrally with a, re a relationship with the Father, with our Heavenly Father. It's got to start there. It's got to start with that. And so, so even maybe just coming down to a bit of a, a wind landing kind of thing, maybe even you guys, there might be some of you sitting here this morning who haven't even started a relationship with Jesus. And you're going, like, I don't even know what you're talking about kind of thing. And I did mention a little bit earlier that we need to have eternity in mind. We need to have this mindset of we're living for eternity and we're living lives that are holy now so that we can be happy in the next. We need to be living lives that are holy. And so that might come with behavioral changes, responses, whatever, that can only be brought about through a conviction and a realization by the Holy Spirit that we need to change that actually I'm making a mess of my life, I need him. And so if you, maybe we can just close all our eyes. And, and so maybe you, you, you're here this morning and you're going, you haven't even come into that place where you have had the revelation that, well, you've heard about it. I mean, you, you're probably here because you, you know that actually I need to sort out my life maybe. Or even you were just decided and woke up this morning and thought, hey, we need to go to church. There's something there. And, and you know, Jesus loves us so much. That is the good news. Jesus loved us so much that he sent his only son to come and die on the cross for our sins so that we can be restored into relationship with God and spend eternity with him. In order for us to experience eternity with the loving God, we need to receive his forgiveness. We need to repent of our sin. And every one of us actually have sinned and have fallen short of God's glory. The Bible says every single one of us, because of one man's sin, have fallen short of God's glory. And though through the action of one man separated us from God, through the action of that one man, Jesus, and through believing in him, we can have eternal life. Have you thought about it? Eternal life with Jesus. Eternal life with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Eternal life with the one who paid the price for us. And so if that's you this morning here and you have never, ever actually given it a moment's thought and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I would love to just pray with you. But you know what I want us to do? Before I ask you to put up your hand or anything, I want us, maybe we can all just pray again together. Because I think some, there is something in every day recommitting our lives to the Lord and coming again to a place and saying, Lord, this morning, I give you my life. Lord Jesus, why don't we just pray together? Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you that I can be here. I thank you for the word. And I've realized that I need you. I've lived for myself. I've lived a life that has separated me from you. And this morning, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of all my wrongdoings. I've messed it up. I've made some bad choices. I've made some bad decisions. And I haven't got anywhere. <laughs> and I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me. Just pause there for a moment. You know, in just you saying those words, something incredible happens. Jesus forgives you. Jesus forgives you. As you've asked him to forgive you, he forgives you. He wipes the slate clean. He forgets all persons no longer. Isn't that incredible? Just let that revelation sink in for a moment. He's forgiven you right now where you're sitting. He has forgiven you because you've asked him. And not just because you've been forced to repeat a prayer. Because you, you didn't have to pray the prayer. But you chose to pray a prayer right now. And you've chose to ask him to forgive you. And he's forgiven you. 
Lord, I thank you just in this moment that you have forgiven us from all sin, all unrighteousness, that every single person who prayed that prayer with meaning and with conviction, that you have forgiven us. And I just pray for that revelation just to wash over our minds right now and over our thoughts, over our hearts and souls right now, that we have been forgiven, that anything we could have ever done to cause us to be separated from the love of God has been wiped away. And we can now enter into a relationship with the living God. And so maybe let's just carry on and say, Lord Jesus, thank you that I can now enter into a relationship with you. That I can start a journey anew with you. I want to learn about you. I want to get to know you better. With your Holy Spirit... Help me, teach me to get to know the Father better. How to live this life that's holy and pleasing and acceptable so that one day when I stand before you, that you will welcome me in to eternity and I will spend eternity with you. Isn't it incredible that the Holy Spirit comes in this moment, even as we've asked him, yeah, we, ask, we ask His Holy Spirit to come into us. And it's the, the, it's the Spirit of God that comes into you now as you've asked Him. He comes and He dwells inside you and, and He's going to teach you. He's going he's to help you. As you've made this choice, as you've made a decision to follow Him, but now He has probably a little bit trickier, is you've got to stick to that choice. <laughs> you've got to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can stick to that choice, I believe, to follow Him, to learn, to grow, so that we can spend eternity with Him. So just with every eye closed, and is there anyone who prayed that prayer for the very first time, like have never really asked Jesus to forgive them of their sins, has never asked the Holy Spirit to come and just come into their lives, come into their hearts. Is there, no, is there anyone that's never prayed that? Maybe all eyes closed. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. That's incredible. Let's just keep our eyes closed. Thank you, sir. You can put your hand down. Just want to wait a little bit longer. Is there anyone else that's never asked Jesus Never, never just seen it the way I presented it before. Like even going, man, I actually, I, I, need, I need to grow. I need Jesus. Is there anyone else? Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thanks. You can put your hand down, man. Isn't that amazing? Why don't we just... This is a moment to actually celebrate.